Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need new insight and a different perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have joined me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which hopefully will spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the lives we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and achieve their truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I'm hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I am thrilled to have my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Jean Miller. Dr. Miller is a licensed professional counselor in Colorado, a licensed mental health counselor in Washington, a nationally certified counselor, an approved clinical supervisor, an educator, and a researcher. Currently, she serves as a clinical director for Two Chairs, an online therapy solution for individuals living in California, Washington, and Florida. She utilizes a person-centered, strengths-based approach focusing on the holistic wellness of mind, body, and spirit. She is currently a private practice clinician in addition to her work as a clinical director, and her background includes working with clients in private practice, community mental health, and higher education. Jean believes life is a journey of self-discovery, learning, and developing into our truest selves, and is honored to walk alongside others on their own journey. Jean, I am so grateful to have you here today for another episode of Get Unstuck Radio. Um, For anybody listening, Jean was actually my very first Get Unstuck Radio episode. We did a powerful show on grief and her journey of navigating that um, after the loss of a loved one, and when I was thinking about this topic today, I couldn't think of anybody I wanted to have back more than you. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason, for having me back. It's an honor. You know, Jean, I, I really, um, you know, as we were talking about having this show over the course of the last few months, I really wanted us to do an episode on normalizing, reaching out for help when life isn't going the way you want it to. You know, you don't have to be in crisis necessarily, but just really recognizing that there's a time and a place for us to level set the fact that it's okay to seek help if you're struggling or having challenges in life and thought we could have a thoughtful conversation about that today. That sounds great. So, you know, as we jump into this, again, as I just mentioned, I want us to normalize 
um, you know, seeking help, seeking support, whether that's, you know, in the, in the solace of a peer or a loved one, somebody that you trust, but also looking at other, you know, different therapeutic uh, interventions and maybe some non-traditional ways to do this. You know, I can speak for myself that I've always been a therapy junkie, I will say. So that's been a path that I have pursued from many different places over the course of many years. Um, and I know you're obviously with your training um, specialized in serving others. Tell us a little bit about your perspective of just this conversation about normalizing. It's okay to seek help. Great. Yes. Well, you know, I think that we are a nation of, you know, strength is, is, is viewed a certain way, right? Like it is a, it's a weakness to ask for help. And I don't know too many people that are, comfortable admitting when they need help or admitting that that they can't handle things on their own. Um, and so it's, it's a challenge. It's, the people that are closest to us, the people that love us the most, may not be able to provide the support that we need. Um, oftentimes are not. And, and, right. and it could be that they are part of the issues that we're experiencing, right? Um, and so I think that the stigma of seeking help, the stigma of counseling, it still exists, but I think we're at a much different place than we were, you know, even 10 years ago, okay. that it's a much more accepted uh, path for people in need. You know, why do you think, before we move forward here, why do you think that we're as humans so reluctant to reach out for help? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. I, I really think it goes back to what I said that, you know, strength is strength and, and uh, people see weakness if someone is fragile or, or vulnerable, you know, sensitive, emotional, that's societally seen as a weakness. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know why, but um, to me, I think it takes incredible strength to ask for help. It, it's, you know, you can, you can buck up and say, I'm going to handle this all on my own and, and fall further and further into a depression, as opposed to admitting, getting to the point that you, uh, you seek support because you can't handle it on your own. I think that's so true. And, you know, I, again, I want to level set a, as part of the conversation, seeking help doesn't have to be because you can't get out of bed or something right. catastrophic has happened in life. You know, it could be as benign or as simple as, you know, considering a job transition or the change in a relationship or something that's happened in your life, the loss of a loved one. I mean, there are many things that happen throughout the normal course of our lives that, you know, I don't think that there is a playbook for all of us to live life and how to do things perfectly. And I think it's so important that we start recognizing that, you know, if you're struggling, you don't have to do it in silence. Absolutely. Um, the The term we often use in counseling is kind of the, the worried well, like we all have worries, we all have issues, and it doesn't necessarily have to be crisis level to seek support. Um, the day-to-day -day life, the struggles of of COVID, for example, and, and us all having to adjust to a new way of being and working and communicating, it's unbelievable um, the amount of stress that we are dealing with today, right. um, all of us, that isn't necessarily due to trauma or an extreme loss. So I, I feel like there is such benefit to anyone in need at any level of need 
to reach out, reach out a hand and look for, for some support. And so that doesn't necessarily mean therapy. I mean, there are a lot of options for that. Right. And I certainly want us to get into that. So if, if I'm listening and, you know, I, this has piqued my curiosity, let's just say, maybe I'm not fully invested in, in seeking support. What could be some telltale signs that you've seen in your professional capacity that might be something or a place somebody would consider seeking help from? Like, what are what are things that kind of are some abnormal telltale signs of, hey, maybe maybe you should reach out to somebody? When you start to see the impact of whatever the issue is in a variety of areas in your life. So if you're struggling, let's say for uh, lack of a better example, self-esteem or self-worth, and it's starting to bleed into your ability to be successful at work, your ability to be present with family and friends, uh, your ability to or desire to participate in the things that you enjoy. So I feel like there are a number of different indicators, not necessarily a diagnosis, right? But the, the physical implications of some of our emotional concerns. Right. If all of a sudden we're just not feeling right, we're low energy, we just have, uh, you know, we're lonely, but we don't want to get, get together with anyone in our life. So I think there are a number of, of indicators physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually that that often, uh, you know, raise a little bit of a red flag and, and, and cause someone to seek help. Well, so differently put, it sounds like those moments in life where you might not find yourself engaging in ways that you would have in the past, or you're less inclined to be engaged or less excited about, you know, what's happening in your course of day-to-day -day life. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And, and just the lack of interest in the things that you know, you normally do that you just kind of uh, maybe feeling like you're on cruise control or coasting through when in the past you've been engaged and you've been excited. And so that's that's a really good description. So, you know, when, when I think about this and I think about in my own life, different times that I've sought therapy, you know, it was always from this this understanding or realization that I had lost that that zest for life or that effervescence to move forward. Um, and and I have found that it was it was such an insightful journey that often made way for um, you know kind of a next level of expansion or growth in my own life. So I also look at therapy or you know seeking out any sort of tradition traditional or non traditional therapeutic intervention as maybe it's your body's way of telling you that it's time to clear some things out so you could make way for something else. Oh, I, I, that's beautifully stated. I absolutely agree. Um, or time to time to level up, right? To the next, whatever is next on your journey. And it is it is in those quieter times, and I don't know how you've experienced it, Jason, but in those challenging times when we do quiet ourselves and don't give in to all of the busyness and the running and the going and the doing, and we can allow ourselves to just be and sit with whatever the feelings are or whatever the issue is, that often provides this 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 ground for growth and for reflecting and realizing that we might need to get some support. I, I think that's so accurate. And you know, I was listening to something the other day, and I heard it beautifully put. And of course, I'm going to botch it here. About um, if you find yourself doing something addictively or repetitively that detaches you from being engaged in your life that perhaps there's something that has not been yet uncovered that you could or should be dealing with. 
And I thought that was really profound because I just think about the integration of technology in our lives today and how so many of us have really um, <clears throat> spend hours mindlessly numbing ourselves with social media. I certainly um, am to blame for that from time to time. But um, I also think there's an awareness of if you're listening and wondering, could you be a good candidate for seeking some support, you know, to pay attention to your behaviors, your activities, or are you detached from normal life in, you know, this, this land of technology, it could be game playing. It could be anything that you do, um, you know, that, that could have a potential detrimental impact on you in your day-to-day functional life. Is, is that accurate? I agree. And right when you said that, I thought of the good old cell phone and I thought of even myself, you know, when I probably could be doing something healthier, like going out for a walk, like meditating, like doing some yoga, like walking the dog, whatever. And instead, I choose to, you know, mindlessly scroll and might even have some work thrown in there, too, because the work emails on there. And um, it is definitely a way to uh, to avoid and, and to uh, maybe unintentionally or intentionally not participate in healthier types of coping activities or healthier parts of our lives. So I think technology, you know, it has its benefits, but it also has its its drawbacks from a, from an emotional standpoint. Absolutely. And I don't want to vilify, you know, technology, but the reality is, is it has given most of us a built-in distraction 24, seven, 365 that is available to us. And there are all of these things that are pulling at us, you know, if you're so inclined to really go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and kind of zone out or unplug from the world around you for, uh, I can't speak for anybody else, but for hours at a time. (laughs) I I will, yes, to not vilify it, I will say this does not necessarily mean I always make the healthiest choices, but there are ways to engage with technology that can be healthy, that can benefit us. The number of apps about calm and meditating or affirmations or, you know, trackers that can track or journaling. There's so much available that could also be another uh, method of support when we're having issues. The question is, you know, whether or not we choose to, to do that or, you know, go on Instagram. Right. And, and before we get into, you know, potential interventions that somebody might seek if they're seeking support, I'm really focused on what are the things that kind of take us away from or distract us from what I'm going to call functional healthy living. And again, I'm not saying that Instagram is the thing that's, you know, or any social media app is the thing that's taking you away from living the life that you're here to live, because um, I think that there are positive benefits to all that also. Um, I'm really looking at it from the lens or the things that that disconnect you from, um, you know, from really being more plugged in. And there are some harmful or negative benefits that I think, um, you know, there is a discernment for anybody listening. And again, we're using social media as an example. I I want to be clear. It could be binging on Netflix. It could be, um, you know, being overly engaged in something uh, mindlessly numbing that passes hours and hours of time that could also have harmful detriment. Um, it's not just social media, right? Right. Absolutely not. And then come back to the, the, the doing versus being, uh, occupying our minds, occupying ourselves with whatever the activity is that then 
shifts our focus so that we don't have to deal with whatever the, the underlying concerns are, the underlying issues. Uh, maybe for some people, you know, it's, it's a, a shopping addiction or a, you know, instead of staying home and um, cleaning or doing the things that could be therapeutic that need to be done, I'm going to run and go and do. And, and at the end of the day, you come back and the issue is still there. You're still feeling whatever, whatever the um, struggle is. So there are, there are a number of ways that we can choose to disengage from the things that are, that are healthy for us. I think you bring up a great point that really is worth diving into a little bit more is how do you discern are the things you're engaged in keeping you out of balance? Well, I, I won't give you a scientific answer. I will just say that I think we all feel it. We feel it in our guts, don't we? I mean, we know the difference between a quiet day. We're choosing to be quiet because, you know, we have some low energy. We need, we're tired. We're listening to our bodies and we need to just be. And that's the healthy thing to do as opposed to mindlessly zoning out, right, to to binging a whole season of, of right. something on Netflix. So I, I feel like from my own experience and also from working with clients, there's something inside of us that that tells us when things feel out of balance. It may manifest in physical symptoms, um, headaches or stress or, you know, muscle aches, whatever it might be, sleep, sleep issues. But um, it's only through the quieting, Jason, that we can really hear that that message within us, that calling. I love that. That's so beautiful. And really, it's it's the quelling of that inner voice that I think most all of us have. If you have that quiet moment of recognize this is not what I had imagined or pictured for my life, that really, you know, those things come up and, and often we distract ourselves from them. But I think they're there as subtle reminders to you know, invitationally say, maybe you want to go within a little bit more. Um, I, I'm loving this conversation. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like for us to get into the more, you know, what are the traditional paths and then the non-traditional paths that somebody might seek help um, once they um, have decided that there is something that they may want to look at within themselves. So give us a quick break and we'll be back in just a second. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Join us live and on demand at Strategies for Turbulent Times with co-host Matthew Werner, former U.S. Navy Special Warfare Operator with 25 years of experience executing over 20 high-risk missions around the globe. And Dr. Kathy Greenberg, a multiple Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and number one Amazon International best-selling author, is a human performance expert who's been featured across TV and popular media outlets. Together, they combine their expertise along with special guests and strategic intelligence to meet the needs of a volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous world. Fridays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I have my incredible friend, Dr. Gene Miller, here today. Gene is a clinical director for an organization called Two Chairs, which is an online therapeutic resource. This, this episode is all about um, listening to ourselves when something isn't right and figuring out how do we get more plugged into you know, strengthening and deepening connection to ourselves and others. I want to use this next segment to really talk about the traditional ways that many of us would seek out help if we were going through that. And obviously, um, for the purpose of this conversation, that's related to therapy and therapeutic modalities. Um, In the next segment, we'll talk about some more non-traditional things. Again, recognize there's something for everybody here. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution if somebody is struggling. We're just sharing some experiences that might open the door or illuminate the path that you could get on if you're struggling or finding yourself at a place in life where maybe you're feeling out of balance or recognizing that this is not what you had in mind and and really realize that it's time to see some additional support. So, Gene, um, thank you for being here. But I know, you know, in your role as a clinician, you know, you see people professionally as well as you've done your own work personally. If somebody is recognizing that they're out of balance or seeking some support or needing some support, and therapy is a direction that they're interested in or would consider, how do they get started? I think that's often so complicated. Like, I think people don't begin because they don't know where to begin. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. There are um, so many, we were just talking about technology, and, and I think this is one of the real benefits of it. There are so many avenues to uh, locate resources through technology, whether it be, you know, uh going through your insurance site and finding out, you know, which, what, what does your insurance cover and what therapists might be in your area that are covered in your network. That's just a basic one. But also um, the, uh, the online modality, you know, psychology today has a, um, a, a therapist search. So you can literally go on psychology today online and, you know, plug in some information about what you're looking for, what you're what you're seeking, what area you live in, what type of therapy. Um, so the accessibility online to seeking out resources is, is unbelievable. It's it's increased since COVID. Um, it's gotten to the point where it's very accessible for people in rural areas, wherever. Um, regardless of uh, financial means as well, because there are plenty of services out there that will help people that are uninsured. Um, So I just, I I think that starting the research, whether it be through your insurance or just literally online in your area to find out what, what services are available to you. That's so true. And I mean, I know again, you know, just with the evolution of technology, we obviously have moved into a world that, you know, we have access in ways we never did before 
you said something a minute ago that sparked something for me for anybody that's listening. You know, I, I think therapy is one of those things that has often fall and fallen into a privileged category. Like you have to have money to be able to do it or to access a therapist. And the reality is what you've just affirmed for us is, you know, there is there are available resources for little or no cost, insured or not insured that can make a difference if you're seeking support, depending on what your personal situation is. Absolutely. And I'd love to share a couple of of examples. Um, As a private practice uh, clinician, I contract with some different types of agencies and different organizations that work with, you know, in contract therapists. And there are so many options out there. There is something like a, a membership model, for example, um, there's an organization called Help Text, and people can sign up and pay a very low monthly membership fee and have access to the mental health resources. And this is in the form of texting, text support, kinds of kinds of therapy work. Um, there are groups, there are group organizations where, again, you can pay a small monthly fee, much, much less expensive than paying straight uh, private pay for therapy, but that, say, can offer you X amount of support groups per month for that one low cost. To people that, uh, for people that maybe that is also difficult, there are therapy services available through Medicare, through Medicaid. And so um, it's really a matter of shifting the narrative. It is not only for, you know, the privileged or certain socioeconomic levels. In fact, um, there are more uh, services for people that might be in need. Many private practice uh, clinicians do sliding sliding scale, sliding fee. Um, so not unlike education, which is kind of my other my other world of, of counseling, um, m- the financial concern should not be a barrier because there are a number of resources out there to help people in need. I love that. And I think that's so important for anybody that's listening to, to recognize that, that, you know, financial challenges alone are not enough of a, a, an obstacle in being able to get the support you need, especially with the integration of technology that we've talked about. I think the other thing that I hear a lot in doing the work that I do is I tried therapy once and it didn't work for me. You know, talk to me a little bit about this this process of, of finding a therapist that's a good fit for you, because obviously, you know, if you're going in and bearing your soul about some of the most, you know, important and intimate details of your life, you obviously want it to be a good fit. I, I often have liked it, likened it to, to dating, you know, like you, you wouldn't date somebody you didn't click with. You certainly shouldn't see, see a therapist you don't click with either. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it really kind of comes down to bedside manner, doesn't it? Even virtually. Um, I think it's very important for people to realize that they are the ones in charge. They are seeking the therapy. They can interview therapists. Most therapists have uh, like a free, you know, no cost, uh, co- short consult on the phone, a phone meeting. Um, so it's important that the cl- the client seeks and and really takes their time in finding a a clinician that is a good fit. Um, It's even more challenging, Jason, with technology in that sense, because you're not, you're not, you know, you might be doing in person or hybrid or, or just simply virtual. And it's kind of a little bit more challenging to, to assess that connection. Um, But I would say, don't give up. If you have a therapist that doesn't seem a fit, um, find another one. I did that myself recently. So. Right. Right. 
So I guess I'm wondering if if I um, was going to avail myself to a, a free consultation call if a therapist were offering that, and I wanted to be prepared in advance of that conversation, what are some questions that are really important for somebody to go into that session to get the most fruit out of it to determine is this a good fit or not? Oh, that's a really good question. The matching piece is so is so important. Um, typically in the consult calls and, and when I did them as well, really it's it's a chance to get to know one another a little bit. Um, the clinician or counselor will ask, you know, what, are, what, why are you seeking therapy? Have you been in therapy before? Um, what goals are you hoping to work towards? And then I, I always leave time for the client, the potential client to ask their questions, you know, how something it could very well be, you know, what kind of approach do you use? What does therapy look like to you? Um, do you give homework? Is it structured? Is it unstructured? Um, do I need to come every week? What, you know, what does it look like as far as longer term? How do you work with my insurance? Those are some of the basics. It really, though, is not is not until you're in that first intake session, the actual session, where the client, um, I think, will get a better feel of what, you know, what the therapist is all about. Um, because that's when you're really going to feel and sense that, that connection. Right. So poor. I'm wondering the person who perceives they have more specialized needs. Like, you know, if you are in a, a specific career industry that has some pretty highly specialized um you know, or unique challenges to it, let's say law enforcement or the emergency responder field, or perhaps you're struggling with sexual identity issue, or you have religious trauma you're wanting to heal. Like how important are those things to bring into a session to see if you're a fit? I mean, obviously a therapist should be neutral and non-biased about their beliefs in certain things, but as humans, we all have opinions and perspectives and, and a value system that guides who we are and how we show up in the world. How important is it to kind of vet those things as well if we know there's something that's deeply rooted or ingrained in us that's important that we have seen in us? Very important. Very important. So although it might not be a specific population, but first responders, emergency responders, uh, police departments, you know, there are some pretty common themes of trauma, of PTSD, of, you know, uh, violence. And so it's more about, you know, does the, the the therapist have a background that would support or have the expertise and the training to work with those particular issues? Does the therapist, are they trauma informed? Do they, uh, do they use, for example, EMDR as a therapeutic technique that is used um, with trauma? And, and is that something that could potentially benefit the client? Now, the client doesn't need to know the name of every technique, but if a client were to say something to me about their trauma, about their uh, PTSD, and I offered EMDR, for example, as a technique, that would be something that I would share with them um, in the consult and explaining this is how this could benefit you. Um, another example, I think, is the organization that I work for, Two Chairs, um, prides itself on the matching process. So the questions that are asked in the initial consult, you know, um, not just the demographics, you know, sex of therapist, does that matter? Age of therapist, does that matter? Um, but all the way down to 
Um, are they directive? Are they indirective? Do they uh, personally disclose? Do they offer homework? Do they not? So it asks these really detailed questions to try and make the best possible fit based on what the client is seeking. Um, and I do want to say you had mentioned a little bit about two chairs. We, it's also primarily online, Jason, but also has clinics in um in California, Washington, and Florida. So it's a really interesting uh, organization that offers both in-person and, and virtual. Uh, but yes, the more that the client shares with the counselor or the therapist, the more likely they'll find the right match. Yeah, and again, I go back to the analogy, it's like dating, you know, not everybody Absolutely. you're gonna go a on a date with is going to be for you. And I think yeah. it's the same with therapist. You know, you mentioned Jason, sometimes, excuse me, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's not just expertise and background and education, but it's literally comes down to personality fit. Right. Well, are you, do you feel comfortable enough? And obviously that's going to build over time as you build rapport and therapeutic alliance. Um, but do you feel comfortable enough sharing your issues with this person? You know, it's interesting. Um, more than a decade ago, I had a new therapist after, you know, my catastrophic undoing. And I remember having a session and she said to me, she said, I feel like in your old life, you would never have chosen me as a therapist. And I thought that was such an odd comment. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, I don't have the same credentials as I imagine you would have required, you know, in your previous um, life, so to speak. And, and I, I reflected on that for a moment. And I realized that that why she was such a good fit for me is she was so kind and so mothering and so nurturing. And like, given what I had just been through, I needed somebody who was really gentle and really kind and just was there to kind of guide me through the next steps. And like, mm -hmm. I think it's really important for us to recognize, and I know a lot of people and, and I've been, uh, you know, responsible for this also, that get into a therapeutic relationship and see that therapist for many, 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 many years. And I think the thing that's important for us, while that's not bad necessarily, we all have different seasons of life. And frankly, I love the newness of exploring that. You know, I just recently had gone back into therapy after about five years. And, and frankly, you know, I said in the very first session, I have no idea why I'm here. I, I have a great life. Things are good. I don't feel like I have something specific I need to work on. I just really want to be able to process some things that are coming up for me. And what she reframed for me so beautifully and made her the perfect fit for this season of my life was, it feels like to me, you are seeking therapy in this season as a form of self-care. And I had mm. never really seen therapy as a form of self-care. And when she said those words, it was so powerful. And it just hit me. It's like, that's exactly what it is. Like, I kind of feel mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm the, you know, the scene from as good as it gets is like, is this as good as it gets? <laughs> and, you know, at, at nearly 50, I, I think I've done my work and I'm not saying I'm done, but like, I don't feel like I'm seeking therapy because I, I feel broken. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just mm -hmm. want to, I want to get better from here. And, yeah. um, and it's been so illuminating to see it from that perspective. That's yeah, that is a, a, an excellent observation. I think life experience, phase of life, um, events that we go through really cause us to have a different place for therapy in our lives. And from what you're saying, and I, I strongly believe that, you know, proactive therapy is a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be when we feel our most broken, 
but you know, things maybe aren't humming along as perfectly as we think they should. What is my role in this? How can I potentially um, make some changes in my life? Um, for my own experience as well, Jason, um, I've been seeing a therapist now for about three years um, after the loss of my husband, as you know. Um, never in my life would I have thought I needed to go to a grief therapist and chose this therapist particularly, not because of his necessary training and credentials and all the letters after his name, but because of his own personal experience with loss. And so um, what you said a minute ago, our, our profession is incredibly regulated for obvious reasons. Um, but research shows that it's not the technique, it's not the ther theoretical orientation, it's not the necessarily the extent of education, it's the therapeutic alliance that makes the most, it's the biggest predictor of change in clients. So the relationship that you and I have and that whatever is happening, that magic that's happening, it's not because of, of you know, my years of experience, of course that helps, but it's really about the rapport and the safe space that the 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 client uh, ha feels. I wholeheartedly agree, and and for anybody that's listening, I I want I want to encourage you to look outside of the box as you're seek, seeking a therapist. Again, credentials are not the only box to no. check here. I mean, obviously, as Jean just mentioned, it is a highly regulated field. You know, if you're seeing somebody on psychology today or your insurance. Uh, provider website. I mean, those people have been vetted through some standards to even be there, but really right. it is such a deeply personal fit. And Gene, I want to go so far as to say that, that uh, you know, in addition to the predictive index and in doing the work, it really, it comes down to your own willingness to show up and support yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I, one of the first things I teach counseling grad students is, is this exact topic. It's the work of counseling, but you should not be doing all the work as the counselor or the therapist. The work falls on the client who's right. coming here seeking therapy um, and, and has some sort of a willingness to learn and to make some changes in their lives. Um, and to show up, like you said, and that doesn't mean they won't be resistant or won't have topics that are incredibly difficult to, to bring up. Um, but the bottom line is they are here for a reason. It's not mandated. Right. I mean, there are those cases as well, but, um, and so, you know, their willingness to, to make some changes, to try different things out, to adjust some thinking will really make an impact. The amount that they're willing to do that is what will directly correlate to the changes that they're able to make. Love it. This hour is flying by. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some non-traditional therapy approaches that one might consider if you're seeking help. So stay with us and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Do you often find yourself at odds with coworkers, friends, or family? Do you have a short fuse and easily end up in arguments? Frustrated with your inability to have a healthy dialogue with anyone? Maybe it's time for a shift in your communication style. Maybe it's time to stop telling and start listening and join this podcast where you'll discover how to elevate your conversation and navigate the tensions in those difficult relationships. 
Stop telling and start listening with David Cook. Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins. And today I've got my incredible friend, Dr. Gene Miller with us, and we're unpacking all things therapy. Um, Before the break, we were talking about if somebody is seeking support or needing kind of that boost in their life, like what does seeking traditional therapy look like? And in the last part of the show, I want to use our time to really talk about what are some non-traditional modalities that somebody might seek help with. You know, not everybody is wired for therapy or wants to seek out and might want to try something else first. Gene, what do you think are kind of the the gold standards of things that 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 people might seek out um, in times of struggle or challenge? Outside of therapy in general outside or outside of, therapy, of traditional right. therapy? Outside of traditional therapy. Okay. Okay. Well, um, this is, I I recently learned of a new modality that I think is fascinating. I don't really know the research behind it, but in order to um, target certain populations, and we know this, Jason, from the work that we do with with the mental health needs of youth, um, there is a new organization out there that does online gaming and mental health. So, you know, if you are struggling with mental health, issues and you're a gamer and you want to come to this environment where it's not unlike play therapy you know the focus is on the gaming but we're also building a community and and talking about mental health i thought that was fascinating i kind of want to look into it to see you know what 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 is it really all about um there are this term traditional i find interesting and when you said that i thought it it's it's changed so much right the traditional family or the traditional student I don't know that there is necessarily a traditional therapy as much as there used to be. Yes, there's the in-person, you're in one chair, I'm in the other chair, face-to-face. That will always exist. But because of technology, because of the needs of our society, especially since COVID, um, there are so many different options, whether it be text therapy, virtual therapy, virtual support groups, um, there's a number of different things above and beyond therapy, you know, coaching is, is, is a huge industry out there, which is not incredibly different than therapy in that there are goals, you're discussing what you want to work towards. Obviously, it's not the clinical side of it, but it's the same type of, you know, creating a, a, a plan, creating a, and working towards it with, with, with the professional. Um would it, would I feel, it be fair to say, not to interrupt you there, but would it be fair to say that what has changed when I use the word traditional therapy, what has changed 
is it feels like people's needs are more specialized. Like they're more interested in getting to the root of what they're dealing with. And you just mentioned coaching a minute ago. And as a master certified coach myself, I, I know the difference between therapy and coaching and, and really recognize that there are some significant differences between the two, but, but, but it is, it is an option and it is something to consider. Um, you know, if you're, if you're needing to do some deep trauma or family origins work, um, it's, it's probably not going to happen in coaching, um, right. but, but it is another modality. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. The needs have changed. I, I would agree with you. The, I, I have um, young adult kids, I hate to say children, um, who have gone through the loss that I've gone through. And the thought of sitting in a therapy room is unheard of. I mean, for them, it's going to be virtual. The texting is incredibly uh, interesting to them because what do kids do anyway? They text all the time. They don't even right. pick up the phone, right? So there are even traditional uh, platforms that offer in person or online now have text option as well. So there are, there are just different ways of accessing support that it's, it's ever, ever evolving to, to support the needs of different populations and the needs today. Well, and question for you, do you think it's any less effective to do an online session than getting in your car and going somewhere and seeing somebody in person? As a client, let me talk about it from the client perspective first, because I do both. I've done both as a client. Um, I hate to keep saying research, but research does show that it is equally effective. I think where it differs is there's not the same feeling of connection, right? I mean, you and I are in the same city right now, but it would feel very differently if we were sitting together in the same room. So there's not that same kind of energy exchange that happens when you're face-to-face with someone, especially um, from a support perspective, when you're experiencing real emotion and pain, um, there's something to be said about having someone in front of you and and just feeling that support, right? the flip side of that is there are many people that would never walk into a therapy room that feel much more comfortable kind of with the, <laughs> the anonymity is not the word, but the, the safety of the, the virtual work, right? So that a support group, for example, which I, I do um, in my role as a clinical director, these people are in different cities in the same state um, and open up, right? They're just faces on a screen. Um, and, and many of them have said it's it's offering such support and it's less scary than walking into a room with 10 other people, right? And sharing your your concerns or your, your struggles. So from a client perspective, I think it offers accessibility. It offers safety to many people that maybe are afraid to go the traditional route. Um, and it offers accessibility. Sometimes finding a therapist, an in-person therapist can take some time. Um, especially today, it seems like clients are really struggling to find someone um, because there's such high need. But the accessibility online, you might be able to, to start next week, you know. So it's a long answer, but I do think from a client perspective, yes, it can provide the same support. It really depends on what the client needs are and what they're seeking. I can see that. And, and I could I could validate that from my own experience because I've done both in-person and virtual. The, the thing you've mentioned a few times that I think we should touch on is support groups and how powerful those can be. I mean, you know, I, I have been the leader of a support group of people that struggle with mental health for more than a decade in my role with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. But, you know, recognize there is power, there is shared power mm-hmm. in showing up with other people who 
maybe just at a base level, understand what it's like to struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so powerful. Um, there is stigma. There's a lot of fear around sharing in front of a group. Um, yet the positive feedback that I hear from clients, the words like community building, normalizing, um, feeling safe, um, having someone understand because they've gone through a similar similar issue. Um, there's such power in groups and really the, the synergy between the group members. When you're an individual, it's you and the clinician or the therapist, right? And that's, the, that's it. That's the, the perspective you're getting is from the therapist. Right. In a group setting, there's this synergy to see that it's beautiful to see group members support one another and be there for one another where the group facilitator or the group therapist really facilitates, kind of has a much more of a passive role in many ways because there's such sharing of, of experience and support among group members. You know, and I can even say that in my role as a facilitator of groups, you know, recognizing that there are many times just sitting back and listening to the group members interact with each other. And, and I happen to lead a group that allows crosstalk. So they're supporting one another. I'm often inspired by or learn something about what's happening in the group and just recognize the power in dynamics of people from different places and different experiences being able to show up first and foremost to normalize having conversations that might be awkward otherwise. You might not feel comfortable talking to a friend or a loved one about, but you might be willing to bare your soul to a complete stranger, you know, a, a, in another location. Like, I think there's real power in that. I do too. And, and, and even just seeing someone come through a situation, you know, that the hope that it can give that maybe someone has gone through a very challenging divorce, like a client may be going through and seeing that there is light on the other side, that there is there is a possibility to heal. So even just uh, interacting with group members that are at different levels of their healing is, is incredibly impactful. Um, so I, I, I'm a firm believer in support groups as from the clinician or therapist perspective. What you mentioned a minute ago is so true. Sometimes the quietest person in that group maybe getting the most out of it. You know, it's in those quiet times where they're listening, they're reflecting, where I might think, oh, wow, you know, Joe is not very engaged. He must not be getting anything out of this. And then, you know, comes back the next week and 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 it's it's obvious that something resonated. So Right. And I can't tell you I've had a sidebar conversation with a Joe that says, this is what I learned or what I got out of it. And it's so validating to recognize yeah. it while you may not be the most active participant, knowing that sometimes just being an active listener is, is a way to really um, have a breakthrough for certain people. And, you yeah. know, we all engage differently. And, and that's what I love about this conversation is that, you know, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, therapy or, you know, challenge it. Wow. They're not a one size fits all solution and how you might do, you know, something that you're facing could be completely different than how your, your, your partner would do it or your best friend or, you know, one of your parents and that's okay. And I think we're at this really amazing time where access to resources is greater than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is again, I go back to, we've got to normalize that it's okay to seek support. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the accessibility piece is so, so key to this conversation. 
um, what we were just talking about with group is often financially more accessible to clients as well. So that's something else to think about in, in that modality. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's by continuing this conversation, the work that you and I both are doing with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, even something as simple as, you know, uh, looking to your faith communities for options for support. There's there are so many options out there. And the more that we keep this conversation going, Jason and I so appreciate the work that you do, especially in this and, and the other projects that you're involved in. Um, it's normalizing it. It's decreasing the stigma. And it's educating people that there is there's hope. There are support resources out there. Right. And at no point in time has it ever been easier to access them than it is now. Like the boundaries to accessing therapy have literally, the bricks have come off the wall. Gene, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you and having this conversation with us today. Um, Is there anything that we've not touched on that you think that we should add to the conversation? No, I I, I would just like to end it by saying again, that um, it takes a lot of strength to ask for help. And you're not only benefiting from the help, but you're also, you know, role modeling for others in your life. Um, and and I think that there is, there's hope, there's therapy out there for anyone that might seek it. So Absolutely. thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I, it's a pleasure anytime. I, I want to normalize also, like, if you're not into groups, if you're not into therapy, if you're not into any of the things that we've talked about, I mean, there are some things that you can do that you have access to 24-7, 365 all on your own for free. You can get sun on your head 15 minutes a day. You can take a walk around the block. You can drink enough water. You can get enough sleep. You can practice gratitude. You can talk to a friend or a loved one. I mean, there are things that in a moment we can take, you know, action in that will shift our mood state. Again, I'm not here saying it's going to fix it or not, but just really to recognize that you have the capacity to navigate your story and your life the way that you want to. And we're using this conversation to share. If you know that you need to do something else and seek some support outside of yourself, here's a path to do that. But there are resources available to you right where you are at any given moment. Absolutely. Beautifully said. If our listeners are listening and want to get in touch with you, I know you're a clinician yourself and you're on a few different platforms. How could they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to contact you? You know, my uh, practice email is jean, J-E-A-N, at drgenemiller.com. Okay. So that would probably be the best way to reach out. I am on the um, Psychology Today profile. So if you did a search by my name, it'll pull up my information and how to get in touch with me. Um, so that, that, yeah, I would, I'd be happy to, to talk with anybody that's interesting. I love your willingness to do so. And if you've not yet done so, we would love for you to subscribe to Get Unstuck Radio show pages. You can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Next week, we have another inspiring guest, and I guarantee you will not want to miss the conversation. I would be remiss in asking before we wrap up today, Jean, what is one thing you're grateful for today? Mm, I am grateful for getting to do the work that really fuels my soul, feeds my soul, and makes a difference for people in need. I love so I'm very I love that. And I'm going to mirror, you know, your sentiments around that and recognize that, you know, doing this work only builds upon places and paths to go that reveal additional work that makes the the fruit of this journey so 
incredible. Like I'm grateful to have friends like you um, who should be part of the conversation. Thank you. Um, until next time, remember every journey begins with the next step and you too can be your own champion. Thank you for joining us today on Get Unstuck Radio and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck. Until we talk again, we wish you a great week.